And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Trotsky National Outfielder, left-handed pitcher, 2025 Stanford baseball commit, Brock Kettleson on the JKR Podcast. Brock, pumped to get you here on the show. How are you doing tonight? Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm doing great. How about you? Doing good, man. Um, and again, you know, appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you know, really excited to be digging into, you know, your travel baseball career, high school career. You know, you committing there to Stanford there a couple of months ago as well. Um, so really excited to be digging into that tonight. But before we do dig into the baseball side, I got one question I'd like to ask everybody to get the podcast started. That is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Brock Kettleson? Um, kind of a hard question. I feel like, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, just I try to be just nice, outgoing guy. Um, try to be as humble as possible. Um, yeah, just uh, friendly, humble, um, outgoing guy, as I would say. All right, there we go, short and simple. Um, but, you know, first first baseball segment I do want to dig into is the travel baseball side. Obviously, this past summer, I believe we played for Trotsky National. From the looks of it, you know, pretty much a powerhouse program there over in the West Coast. Um, kind of take us through your travel baseball experience. You know, what's it like playing for them? How did you get connected with them? Were there potentially maybe some other teams that you've played with in the past as well? Um, just kind of take us through that travel baseball experience. Um, yeah, I mean, Trotsky has been like 
the best thing ever for me. Um, I, growing up, I played for like the lo my local travel ball team. Um, and we never, we didn't go to many big tournaments and stuff, but, um, kind of just out of the blue, my freshman year, um, I wanted to like, I tried out for Trotsky, just hoping that I could get more looks possibly. And just for that aspect of the game. And I ended up making the national team. And then, um, yeah, that, uh, that freshman year, uh, high school season, I uh, hurt my arm, so I couldn't play any summer ball. So really the first, uh, summer ball that I've, or travel ball that I played was actually last year, just with Trotsky. Um, and you know, it's been the best experience I've ever had. Um, and yeah, I just, I love the group of guys that I get to play with on that team. Um, and obviously I love all the coaches that, uh, I get to play under. Okay. So, you know, looking back there on last summer, again, you said it was kind of your first year, maybe playing more on the national level, you know, starting off there playing more regionally, playing more locally there as you're growing up. What were maybe some of those biggest adjustments you had to make going from that more local regional level to that national level there were Trotsky? Yeah. I mean, I would say that it was definitely a hard jump for me. Um, and I think that what helped me a lot is, less the travel aspect and the uh, more the high school because um, at my high school, you know, we face those top arms where um, you get used to what you're going to face every day in travel ball. Um, so that was more my like introduction to uh, high competitive baseball. Um, so by the time I got to summer ball, I was pretty used to it, but you know, I just definitely had to work some kinks out my swing, shorten it up, like, it's it's definitely a it's it's a harder game, much harder game um, at that national level. Yeah, I'm sure. So going through one summer playing for them, I'm sure even maybe that summer you were hurt, you were maybe going to games, practicing, whatever, you know, still somewhat building some sort of relationship there with the coaches and maybe even some teammates there on that Trotsky team. Um, you know, again, going through one summer with them, take us through what are those relationships looking like with the Trotsky coaches, maybe even some of your teammates as well um, on that Trotsky uh, roster? Yeah. Um, I mean, all the coaches, I, uh, I love all the coaches and, um, they, uh, so one of the coaches, like the uh, head coach of our Trotsky team is actually the pitching coach at, uh, my high school. Um, and so I know him really well and we get along super well. Um, and also the, uh, there's, I think I want to say five other guys, four or five other guys, um, on my high school team that are also on that Trotsky national team. Um, so we just have a good like core group of guys that obviously we spend a lot of time together, which, um, you know, I just love all those guys. And so, but this summer, especially I was able to make relationships with the other dudes that I've never met and are from other parts of the country. Um, and so it is fun to meet other guys like, and know where they're committed and why, and just what their stories are. Um, because, you know, everybody, everybody has a different story. So, yeah. Yeah. So you talk about, you know, a little bit of that crossover there going from the high school side to the travel side with some of the teammates. You did mention that, you know, you're playing with guys across the country. Again, I know Trotsky, they're a, a little bit of a powerhouse there in the West Coast. I see their name a lot when it comes to, um, you know, PG rankings or even having a lots of guys committed, whatever. Um where, where are a lot of those guys coming from? You know, again, a lot, of, I'm sure a lot from California, but kind of take us through maybe where some of those other guys are from throughout that Trotsky roster. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say that Trotsky, it is a national team. Um, but I would say our 
team is primarily made up of West Coast guys, like, uh, yeah, the West Coast mainly. Um, just a lot of Cal. I mean, Northern California is obviously like mainly our uh, core group from Valley Christian. Um, and then we have uh, I think like three or four guys from Washington, or few guys from Oregon, um, SoCal. It's just all like few guys from Arizona. It's all that just west coast um but it's definitely like some of the best players from those regions um because we have a very stacked roster that has a lot of talent yeah i'm sure but uh you know being very west coast based again i'm from the midwest i talk to a lot of guys here on the east coast who continuously go into east cobb lake point going to hoover tournaments like that you know for you being out there in the west coast what are some of those maybe big time tournaments to hit um that you guys are hitting there in the summer um, I would honestly say that the only like there's tournaments in Arizona. That's uh, obviously like the big kind of mecca, I would say, of uh, travel ball in the West, like in the Western part of the U.S. Um, so all those spring training fields, we play it a lot. Um, but there's only really one tournament, um, UBC down in SoCal. Um, it's a perfect game event, but that I feel like is the only really local tournament um, that I've played. Because, I mean, last year, uh, I guess this wasn't for Trotsky, but um, I went to Georgia uh, for, like, the future games. And then for Trotsky, I went to Jupiter. And so this summer, I think we have quite a few um, East Coast, like, events um, because that's mainly where the best competition is. So, yeah. So, you know, as we talk about a lot of the tournaments that you guys are hitting there on Trotsky, you know, looking back on this past summer, again, your first time playing more on that national level, take us through what that 2023 summer was looking like. And maybe, again, maybe some of those growing pains that you had playing on that national level for the first time. Yeah, um, I would say that this summer uh, was definitely the uh, probably the best like summer of baseball just in my life because it opened like so many doors for me just as a baseball player, because like before, yeah, before the summer, I was pretty much like a nobody, like nobody knew my name, nobody knew anything about me. Um, and just, I went like to these like tryouts, like the area code tryout and the future games tryout. Um, and I just was lucky enough to make both those teams, which was just gave me the opportunity to play in front of scouts and coaches and just put my name on the map, I would say. And so um, I was pretty lucky to have like an amazing first year of like national level travel ball. Yeah, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, you talk, as you talk about playing that national level for the first time, you know, you said earlier, you know, you guys are playing with a bunch of, uh, you know, other division one, other power five commits, you know, very loaded roster there. Um, take us through maybe how you playing up with, you know, get a lot, lots of those guys at that level. Um, maybe how are you picking the brains of some of those teammates being in the day in and day out with those guys? What are some of those conversations looking like? Um, you know, kind of take us through what that looks like when it comes to picking brains of your teammates. Yeah, um, I would say that especially at uh, UBC, that was in Southern California. That was our first tournament where I like met all the guys. And I was like, I mean, at the time, I was probably the worst player on that team. And I was like, just wanting to know information like how are these guys so good like what are their stories um what makes them the players they are um and so yeah I just and I am I'm a pretty quiet guy like you know I'm not very like 
what do you do? Like, what's your, what's your story? But um, when I had time, I would definitely um, like to ask people just, especially like the great players that um, really catch my eye um, that I like, how do they, uh, I guess, develop and what do they do that makes them so great? As we talk about, uh, you know, what happened this past summer, um, I guess let's do a look ahead there to 2024. Again, 17-year summer, last year playing for Trasky, last year playing in this travel baseball circuit before you start looking ahead there to, uh, you know, bigger and better things. Um, take us through what's that excitement there for uh, this 2024 summer. Um, you know, I'm really excited to uh, go to the events, like uh, especially um, WWBA and I think Georgia, like East Cobb. Um that's an event that I've always really wanted to go to um, and I've looked forward to for a while. Um, so that is definitely um, on my bucket list and I'm glad that we're going there. And then I'm pretty sure we're going to carry for the USA tournament as well, which I've just heard that, that like whole complex is just amazing. Um, and then I was, I was lucky enough to go to uh, Jupiter um, this past fall, which I guess not really 2024 summer, but that was like, the most fun tournament I've ever gone to. Um, and I played up with the 24s and it was just a ton of fun. So this next uh, Jupiter, I am glad that I get to play with like my own team and it'll be a lot of fun. So I would say that those three tournaments are the ones that I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, I'm sure I was, I had the chance to go down to carry this past summer with, uh, with the Canes Midwest team that they took. And it, it was, it was pretty cool to go to see the facility. Shoot. I'm looking around. I'm seeing, uh, Yes, yeah. So class of twenty five, I saw you know Casey Cunningham, Sean Gamble. I saw uh, you know all. I, I don't think Holiday was there, but you know I saw pretty much all of all of the guys. You know one through to one through like twenty five. Um, you know yeah. field over here, one field over there. It was it was pretty cool to see just the amount of talent that was there, and uh, just kind of cool to see that USA facility. But um, as you talk about some of those events that are going on here this past summer, I guess let's kind of move it back there to this twenty twenty three summer or you know fall there as well with Jupiter. Take us through that Jupiter experience. What was that like? The environment, you know, everyone always talks about all the golf carts that are going around, all the scouts that you're seeing. Um, take us through what that Jupiter experience was like. Yeah. Um, Jupiter was definitely like one of the most fun or probably the most fun tournament I've been on because just um, I was able, like I was staying with like three of my like best friends and it was just really like really fun to just hang out there. And then obviously the baseball aspect, it's just all eyes on you. Um, every, obviously, like you said, the golf carts, um, it's a lot of pressure, but uh, just like that ability to uh, strive through that pressure is just like makes it even sweeter when you do succeed. Um, and so I would just say also, I mean, the biggest thing for me was just that team and how fun that team was. Like we went super far. I think we got like third. Yeah. We got third in that tournament. Um and it was just like that whole team. And like, obviously they, the 24s had known each other for a while, but like I was a new guy, like nobody knew who I was. And they just like brought me in. Like I was one of them and it was just so much fun. It was like a family. So, yeah. Yeah. So did you see a big jump playing 16 U ball in the summer going up to 17 U and playing, playing a year, a uh, year older than you? Um, I would say that I would like the difference, the the dudes in the 25 class and the dudes in the 24 class, like that I had faced at least in tournaments and stuff like that wasn't so much the difference. It was like the, the floor, like you weren't going to go out and face like a random person throwing 75 or whatever. Like it was like 
everybody there was the best in their hometown. Like it's, you got to compete every time you step in that box. So it was, it was definitely a challenge. Yeah. So, uh, so moving away from Trotsky here a little bit, again, earlier you talked about, you had the chance to go try out for futures games, had to try go try out for area code. We're lucky enough to make it to both of those teams, go to both of those events. Um, I guess to start with future games here. Um, take us through what that event was like. Obviously, you know some of the best of the best players in the country, all uncommitted at the time, playing in front of in front of hundreds of college coaches. Um, take us through that atmosphere, maybe the day to day. Um, you know what was that like going down to Lake Point for the futures game? Yeah, future games was um, it was a super fun event. I think it was really well ran, um, and it was just. Yeah, all those guys are uncommitted and there's so many eyes on you. And so it's like anytime you even get a hit, it's like they're writing something or every at bat, they write something down on you. And so um that event I think was um because it was that happened right before. I think that was like July twenty-fifth to twenty-ninth. Um and so that event really like got me in contact with a ton of coaches. Um and just allowed me to, um, I guess, start my recruitment process on, on that August 1st, which mm-hmm. was really beneficial. So, yeah. I'm sure. But uh, another event you got to go to, Area Code. You know, I was like digging into that. You get to go to, uh, I guess for most people I talk to, you know, they get to go out to California, experience some nice weather. For you, I mean, you're already there. So I'm sure, I don't know, I guess I know California is large, so I don't know how far away uh, San Diego is for you, but um, take us through area code again, you know, facing some of the best, the best players there in the country playing up against guys, uh, you know, from all over the place, take us through what the area code event was like. Um, area codes for me was just a super fun event. Um, and I live in NorCal. So it's like, we took, I think you drive, it's like 10 hours, nine hours to, uh, San Diego, but I think we, we flew there. Um, so it's, Definitely, I would say SoCal is more of a paradise than NorCal is. Um, but yeah, that uh, just the town of San Diego was gorgeous and it was just really nice. Um, but the baseball aspect of it was definitely tough. I mean, I uh, we had the first game, like the eight o'clock game, um, and I hit leadoff and I was facing Seth Hernandez, who's like 96. And he was just that was like the by far the best arm I've ever faced at the time um and so that was just like crazy that I was like in that moment um and so yeah I would say that area codes was a big step up from anything that I had done before um and it was just amazing to be a part of and I'm just very thankful for that Mm-hmm. So you talk about facing the best arm that you're ever able to face there at area code earlier. You talked about, you know, how the floor is a little bit different there for the 24s compared to the 25s when you're down there in Jupiter, I guess, kind of take us through maybe how that approach changes when you're facing big time guys like that compared to maybe facing a guy who's throwing upper seventies, lower eighties in a regular travel baseball game. Yeah. Uh, I would say that like that at bat against uh, in area codes, that first at bat, I was pretty much in a two strike approach, like from the get go, like be as short as possible, as quick to the ball. Cause that was the hardest, like fastball I've ever faced. And um, yeah, at that point, like, and I would say that my in- inexperience was like, um, didn't let me uh, perform or like have the right approach, I would say, because I mean, I didn't really know, like, 
what to do right against uh, an arm like that. So, um, you know, just shorten up, be quick, be smooth. And that was just all I wanted to do. Get bat on ball. All right. So when you're at events like that, again, you've talked about you, you mentioned it here a couple of times that, you know, all eyes are on you, obviously every step you take every AB, you know, if you're on the mound for some of those events, you know, every pitch that you're throwing, there's so many scouts, so many eyes there watching you take us through that mindset. What's that like? How do you maybe ignore it, avoid what's going on? Not really think about it too much. Just kind of worry on the game of baseball. Um, you know, what's that mindset when there are so many eyes on you? Um, I would say that my mindset uh, is definitely just blocked them out. Like I would say at area codes, I never really thought about, Hey, like after like, if I struck out, it never was like, shoot, like that guy's going to say something bad about me. Like I, I didn't really care. Um, or I wouldn't, I would, I didn't care, but I didn't focus on, uh, what, like, what, like who was there and just, um, what eyes were on me. So I just wanted to play my own game and hopefully they like that. So, yeah. All right. So uh, last question, when it comes to the travel baseball side, looking back on this past summer, maybe looking back there years ago when you're playing more on the local regional side, um, what are some of those favorite memories that come to mind when you think about travel baseball? Um, I would honestly say that my favorite memories from travel baseball probably date back to like that, uh, like the local travel ball team I played for with all my like childhood best friends where we were going to like, whatever, like the farthest tournament we'd go to was like three hours away. And, but it was like, we'd all stay in the same hotel. And it was, that was, I feel like just those days were my favorite because it was like, at that time it was like, I didn't really care how I did. It was more, the memories I was making with my friends. Um, but I would say that um, probably I would say Jupiter, like I said earlier, um, is another like one of my favorite memories because it kind of brings that back. Like I was just with all my friends and it was, it was less, I was less focused on the baseball aspect of it. Honestly, I was like just happy to be there with family and friends and hanging out and having fun. So moving it to the high school side, again, you had a little bit of a different of a high school experience going from a different school there your freshman year to now, you know, a different school there your sophomore year to where you're at now. Um, take us through, you know, what, what was that freshman year like there at Scotts Valley? What's that like there your sophomore year as well, going to Valley Christian? Take us through what that high school experience has been like so far. Yeah, so I uh, started out, obviously, at Scotts Valley my freshman year. Um and I mean, yeah, my house, it's, my house is two minutes away from the high school. Like I could walk there right now. Um, and so I was just always going to go there. That was like, just, there was no other option, I guess you could say. Um, and then, um, yeah, I played my freshman year there. Um, and just after the season, I was just, wouldn't say like upset, but I was just like, felt like I if I really wanted to play college baseball and beyond that I needed to play for a better program and play for some play for somebody or like some coach or some program where I could be the best player I could become. And just that's what Valley Christian did for me. My sophomore year, I would say that I transferred there and we're doing like inner squads in the winter and just practicing in the fall too. Like just that little bit of, like 
baseball in that, that, that like six month span, whatever, like grew me as a baseball player more than I ever had in just six months. Like that was a game changer for me. And I pay all my um, dues, all my tribute to uh, the Valley Christian coaching staff and just, yeah, um, for making me the player I am today. Yeah. So obviously, you know, when you go to a new school, I'm sure you're making, there's adjustments you have to make beyond the baseball field, making new friends, getting adjusted. Again, you talk about that long drive you have to make. Uh, I guess kind of, kind of take us through. So, you know, what, what was that like the first couple of days, you know, whether that's classroom wise, maybe just going to practice and meeting new coaches, new players or new teammates, whatever. Um, take us through maybe some of those adjustments you had to make going into that new school there, your sophomore year. Yeah. Uh, I would say so. Last year, um, I had a friend who was a freshman and he also, he lived in the same, lived in Scotts Valley. Um, and so we would carpool together. He was going to Valley Christian as well. So our parents would uh, drive us every, every morning to school. Um, so it was nice to have a friend there, but uh, I would say the first, first like two months um, of school were definitely like hard on me because he, um, is a more outgoing guy and like, or not more outgoing. I would just say like more outspoken. Um, and he was making friends with everyone. And I was kind of just like the quiet kid, um, you could say. Um, and so for a while I was like, first like two weeks, I'd just eat lunch by myself. And I was like, I was, didn't really have many friends, but I would say that being on the baseball field is what helped me a lot. Like, I think that, um, and I don't know why, like, this is kind of my like thought process or would say, but I, especially on the baseball field with teammates, I would say that like, I don't really think that like, I'm, I guess, good enough to like, talk to like these great players, unless I show them that I'm like, good enough, I could say. Um, so I, I like to prove myself on the field first. And then kind of grow a relationship, I would say, which I don't know why that's my thought process, but it just always kind of has been. Okay. So you talk about proving yourself there to those new teammates. How did last soft, how did last spring go for you? You know, what was that like once that season got started? I would say that before spring, right, winter was like inner squads. Um, I was playing like out of my mind. Like that was the best baseball like I was playing. And um that earned me definitely the starting spot. Um, but I did have to, uh, I had to sit out six weeks because of like transfer rules. So, um, yeah, the first week, six weeks of the season, I had to sit out. Um, but when I got, when I was able, able to play, I was, um, yeah, given the opportunity to start. Um, but in the high school season, I wasn't my best and I hit a slump towards the end and I ended up like not starting the, uh, more towards playoffs. Um, and so just my hope for this next year, right, is to just stay consistent through, through the whole year. Just like I was very ups and downs last year. I just want to kind of stay, stay on top of everything. Just don't get too low. Just, yeah, I would say. Like okay, so, so with a full year underneath your belt there, underneath your belt there at Valley Christian, um, you know, baseball season is not too far away. You guys are going through practices right now. I think you said you guys got an inner squad scrimmage going on there tomorrow night. Um, you know, just a couple of days away there from you know a couple of scrimmages going on and the regular season starting. Um, kind of take us through those expectations there for not only this Valley Christian team, but also for yourself as you look ahead here to these next couple of months. 
Um, I would say that our team, especially, um, there are some high expectations because last year we went undefeated in league and then we won like section and then we went to uh, NorCal. So um, like States practically, and we ended up uh, losing that uh, NorCal championship game, which was just devastating for our whole team. But um, I would say that because of that, our expectations are very high. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, we got a really good pitching staff on our team. Um, so hopefully we can do pretty well, but, um, the expectations for me, um, I would say that honestly, I just want to be consistent and, um, yeah, don't fluctuate too much. Just be consistently, um, hitting well, just like, don't have to have like, yeah, I would say I don't have to have any like crazy games like i mean obviously that that just comes with like after like whatever practice and stuff just like that comes with the game of baseball but i would say i'm more focused on limiting the strikeouts and the um bad games and like getting down on myself rather than focusing on like the highs so i would i would say so- so you mentioned it. I think I think you called it NorCal when you said it. Obviously, California is large. So how does that work there in California? Like, is there multiple state champions? Is there a northern champion, southern champion, whatever? Do they play each other at the end? How exactly does that work there in the state of Cali? Yeah. So California, I mean, it's one. It's pretty big, and it's like got. I would say that California is some some of, if not like the best baseball. Um, definitely high school baseball, um, in the nation. And so it's just, there's so much talent, um, and so many high schools and ball clubs where there is a Northern California. Um, so like, I think that Fresno is the line. I don't know if you know where that is, but, um, yeah, Northern California, um, is like, that's, uh, there's a, I guess you'd call it the state championship for Northern California and there was state championship for Southern California. Um, and so that's kind of how it works. But I think either this year or next year is like the two winners will play like a series, I think, like a three-game series to decide the actual like state champion. But I know that California is kind of behind on the whole like state championship thing. I know that like last year, we were in the second ever Northern California final. Like there, it was only, I mean, there haven't been there. It hasn't been a thing. So they're slowly, I think, becoming a state championship game. So I don't know how it works, but okay. yeah. Okay. So obviously, you know, again, I'm from the Midwest. So I hear a lot of great things about California when it comes to high school baseball. Shoot. I think, I mean, I think California produces the most major league ball players on uh, um, statistically. So I'm sure that competition level that you're facing on a night in and night out basis is pretty darn good. So take us through what's that look like competition wise? What are you facing there when you're in the box? What what are the pitchers looking like? If you're on the mound, what are some of the hitters looking like? Take us through that competition level there at Valley Christian, but also maybe how that compares to your freshman year and, uh, you know, being a little bit different location, how that competition level compares um, to uh, Scott's Valley. Yeah. uh, At Valley Christian, um, we're in the uh, Western West Catholic athletic league. So dub cows our league. And um, we, uh, we kind of say that we think that uh, dub cow is like the best, um, division or league in Northern California. Um, 
And so it's like you're going to face a Division One arm every time you step in the box pretty much. I mean, maybe not the whole game, but their starter, um, especially after like last year, um, we finished first. So they're going to throw their best arm against us. Um, so you just always have to expect that. Um, and then again, like they're uh, hitting wise, like it depends on the teams, but um, I mean, our team, I think we have six division one guys and like other, like a lot of other guys that have offers or will go division one. Um, and I mean, that's kind of what you're going to face against the other teams. Like they may, might not be as many as we do, but um, you're at least, at least every team has a division at least one or two division one guys that um, are in their lineup or in their starting rotation. Like it's a tough league um, to play in for sure. Um, but I would say compared to uh, Scott's Valley, there's like um, there's one school named Aptos and they kind of win it every year, but um, they've had, they had this one pitcher named Gabe Gackle. Um, he was like, he ran the entire league kind of, um, but kind of besides him, there weren't, there was maybe yeah, like one, two, maybe three guys in the whole league that were probably um, going to a division one school. Um, so it's definitely a big jump up from um, what I experienced in my freshman year. So sticking on the topic of comp, so sticking on the topic of convert, shit, <laughs> sticking on the topic of competition, um, Kind of take us through, you know, what's what's that difference between travel baseball and high school baseball? Obviously, when you're playing high school baseball there the past two seasons, you're a freshman, you're a sophomore, you're facing guys who are a couple years older than you compared to travel. You're facing the majority of the guys who are your same age. Um, how would you compare that competition level between high school and uh, travel baseball? I would say that, um, especially playing at Valley Christian, um, there's not much of a difference. Um, like, we're facing um, – those guys that are on the national teams and um, like they might be and they might be older, but that's just better um, to face them because then in summer ball, it's the same thing or even like even better. Right. Like, um, and so I would just say that there isn't much of a difference, um, especially with the league that Valley Christian is in and the arms that we face. Um, yeah. I would just say that the difference is not as big as, other high schools would be okay so last question when it comes to the high school side here um similar to what i asked about travel baseball but looking back on your freshman year your sophomore year going so going through you know inner squad scrimmages there and going through those first couple practices for your junior year take us through you know what are some of those favorite memories that come to mind when you think about your high school high school baseball experience so far um i would say that a lot of uh like scotts valley my freshman year um just those guys, right. They're my like childhood friends and I've grown up with them for so long. So just hanging out with them, um, is definitely just my, like some of my core memories. And, but on to like the Valley Christian side, I would just say that like last year, um, we went to, uh, LA for a tournament, um, like in, uh, I think April. Um, and that was just so much fun to, uh, like it was during spring break, and it was just a ton of fun. To ha it was like five days and we we're our entire high school team was just in the hotel room together, um, just hanging out, like doing whatever we wanted. And so it's just I would say that my most like fond memories in just baseball in general 
are less so focused on like, oh, I did really well this game or it's more focused on like the memories I had off the field. So looking ahead past high school baseball, again, you're committed to Stanford, been committed there for what, probably going on five, six months now being committed there to Stanford. Let's, let's kind of go ahead. Let's kind of dig into how that all happened. Again, your guy in the class of 2025 having to be that first class that had to, uh, you know, kind of sit through talking to coaches all of a sudden, not talking to coaches till August 1st of your junior year. Um, take us through that recruiting process. You know, what was that looking like? When was it getting started? Um, you know, kind of give us the rundown in that process. Um, I would say that, uh, my so obviously my sophomore year like right before that uh that whatever rule was made um I kind of I wasn't really talking to a lot of schools I would say um Stanford um and I think uh Oregon were like the only schools that I had had any contact with and it was like maybe two three calls before that deadline hit so it was just uh yeah it was not not a lot um, prior to the rule. Um, but then the second, like the day August 1st hit, like I think I had my call, at, like first call, at, like five in the morning. Um, and it was just like the whole day um, that was like, I was just getting calls just because of, especially like future games is what kind of did it for me, right? That uncommitted event. And I played pretty well there. So I think that that's what um, a lot of coaches saw me play at. Um, and so I would say that my phone was kind of buzzing on August 1st. Um, and it was just, that was a really cool experience um, to go through. Um, and then obviously, yeah, um, Stanford called and they offered on August 1st. And that had been like my dream school since I was a little kid, like especially with the academic side of everything. Um, just the ability to like, even if baseball doesn't end up working out um, in my favor, just the ability to work off a Stanford degree is just will help me a lot in life. Um, also like that baseball program is just amazing. Um, and not to mention like it's 30 minutes away from my house. So, you know, it's always, it's always been a dream of mine to go there. And so when they offered, it was kind of a no brainer. So, yeah. Yeah. You'll be, you'll be closer to home going to co play college baseball compared to, you know, where you're at <laughs> now too. But, uh, um, you know, throwing it back there to your sophomore spring, you know, before that new regulation came into effect, you know, you said Oregon's reaching out, Stanford, you said maybe some other schools as well. Um, take us through, you know, what's going through your mind there when, you know, you're getting those first texts, emails, maybe even calls from some of those coaches, you know, what's going through your mind, maybe even take us through what some of those conversations are looking like in terms of maybe questions coaches are asking you, maybe questions you're asking the coaches, you know, what was that like there as that process was getting going? Those calls were, I would say, pretty short. Um, like, it wasn't really anything, like, big. Like, it was kind of just getting to know, like, coaches getting to know me. Um, and just, like, it was always like, all right, well, uh, we'll keep tabs on you, like, looking forward to the season. Like, that was kind of just the gist of how those calls went. Um, it was nothing major. I didn't really, like, think, like, there was – anything like they weren't going to like offer me or anything like that. Um, it was just like calls here and there it wasn't anything really big. Um, and so that's why that's really what made that August 1st. So like big for me, cause it was like, these are not the calls I was getting prior to that. Mm -hmm. rule. 
And, uh, you know, so you talk about Stanford being a dream school for the, for you growing up, but obviously when you're going through comparing Stanford to maybe some other schools, I'm sure there was questions you had to be asking, maybe some things that you were looking for beyond just Stanford being that dream school. What were some of those key things that were important to you as you were going through that process and, you know, you know, ultimately choosing Stanford? Uh, I would say that definitely for like my parents aspect of it, um, what they wanted me to go to a place um, that was very academic. Um, like I've always taken, um, like I wasn't always thinking like, Hey, maybe I could go to Stanford if I get good grades. Like it was kind of just, I've always liked to push myself um, in the, in the classroom. And so I would say that the ability to um, have that, uh, yeah, Stanford level degree, um, like in my back pocket, if, if all hell breaks loose. So it's just, yeah, that was, uh, that was like what really, I feel like pushed it over for my family and I. Okay. So you, you talk about academics being maybe that final key that made you choose Stanford, made you realize that that was the spot for you. Again, if all hell does break loose 10, 15, hopefully 20 years down the road, not playing baseball anymore. You know, what is that plan right now? You know, is there a certain major you got picked out? Is there something that you got to, you know, beyond baseball dream job? What's that looking like there on the academic side? I honestly couldn't tell you um, what like major I want to do or what I want to, what profession I want to um, like, I guess. Yeah. What profession I want to do in the future. Um, I just, kind of see what like I definitely want to like experiment some things at Stanford where um there are just like a lot of opportunities and maybe find something that I really enjoy and that could be my profession if baseball doesn't work out so yeah okay so uh I do want to touch on the topic of August 1st here for a little bit again with you being in that class of 2025 you're kind of that first class to really experience everything going on again had to really kind of stop all conversations with coaches there for a couple of months. Then August 1st comes and you said your day was absolutely loaded when it came to phone calls. Um, take us through, obviously I know you're going through futures games right before that, but what was that excitement leading up to August 1st? Did you know that next day was going to be as busy as what it was? Kind of take us through that excitement leading up to August 1st. Yeah, it was definitely like a day I was looking forward to like the night of, um, I would like, I had, I had a few friends, um, um, one of my friends, he uh, went to future games with me um, and he got like a call at 12, second August 1st hit. He got like his first call at midnight and I like stayed up. I was like, what if like, what if that'll happen to me? And it didn't. I was like, okay, well, I'm, whatever. I'm just going to go to sleep. Um, and so I definitely like had some expectations about like what, like what was going to happen. I didn't know what schools were going to call me. Like I, obviously I like I knew um like Stanford and Oregon and USC like I had some contact with them before but that was kind of it like I didn't know what other schools were going to reach out and I think yeah I got a call at like five o'clock in the morning from like TCU and then it was like the craziest one was like I got like at lunch I got a call from the LSU recruiting coordinator and I was like whoa like this is this is like big time um and that was just kind of crazy and just exciting um, for my family and I to like go through. Um, and it was definitely something that I did not expect at all. Like I thought, oh, maybe I'll get five calls today, like 
that's just what I was hoping for. But um, it was a lot more exciting than I had expected. Mm -hmm. So with this new rule coming into effect, obviously what you, what you experienced there August 1st, I mean, that's going to be common now for, uh, you know, for the next, you know, at least couple of recruiting classes going, going forward, kind of take us through with you going through getting that experience and doing, you know, doing all those phone calls there in one day, going through futures games right ahead. I guess what would be that advice for the class of 2026 who, you know, August 1st coming up, that's going to happen to them. What would be the advice you have for those type of guys? I would just say, um, and I don't, and like, this is, I don't have any, like, this isn't personal to me. Obviously I'm like a hundred percent happy with the decision I made. Um, but I'd say that like, don't, don't rush anything. Um, like, right. You're going to get, I mean, for those really good recruits, you're going to get like many, many offers like that day. And so I feel like you have to, look at all your options first, wait, wait a few like days, wait a few months, maybe just look at everything you have on your table and decide what's best for you. Um, and I'd also just say that um, the one thing that really helped me that like a lot of my like friends were saying is that all those coaches calling is really like nerve wracking, like to talk to those big college coaches. But what helped me a lot is like right before I like hop on the phone, I'm just remembering that, Hey, like, they're calling because they want you to come to their school. Like, it's like, you're not really going to say anything crazy. That's gonna, um, like throw them off, like throw you off their radar that much. Like if you just be yourself and things click, then that would be, yeah, a good coach for you. And just, um, I would say that find somewhere where you can be yourself and, be the player you want to be and um, find a coach that you really have a good relationship with. Okay. So you actually kind of, you kind of, you know, talk about that coach. You talk about having a great relationship there with the coaches. You're kind of, you know, throwing me an alley-oop there, you know, kind of making this kind of go right where I want the conversation going. But, um, you know, you now being committed there for five or six months, you know, you're still a year and a half away from being on campus as a freshman. Um, Kind of take us through, you know, what's that relationship like there with that coaching staff? And how has it evolved since that commitment there in August? I would say that uh, my relationship, especially with uh, Coach Eager, the uh, recruiting coordinator there, um, is really good. I would say, um, like, I haven't had, I would say, a lot of contact with him since, um, I mean, I have since the commitment, but, like, I've had, obviously, a few calls, and I went to visit there um, to Stanford, and that was really cool. I was able to, like, meet and talk to all the coaches for a while um, and meet the players too, just like, um, I guess, pick their brains as well. Um, and so that was just a lot of fun to do, go on that tour. Um, and so, yeah, I would just say that my relationship with the coaches has been good um, so far and I hope it'll become better as like day goes on. Okay, so sticking on that topic of relationships, let's kind of go ahead and dig into, uh, you know, what are those looking like there with your future teammates? I know that class of 2025, I'm looking at it right now. It looks like it's pretty loaded with a lot of Cali guys already. Um, you know, wh what's that relationship looking, what are those relationships looking like with those future teammates there in that 25, 24 class, maybe even some guys on campus now? Um, you know, what are those relationships looking like? Um, so Valley Christian um, is like, 15 20 minutes from stanford so um there have been a lot of guys that um have gone to valley and gone to stanford um 
like Eddie Park, he just got drafted. Um, and then Trevor Haskins, he's the shortstop there. Um, but there's uh, two brothers, um, the Marsh brothers, Tatum and Quentin. Um, Tatum's a 24 and Q's a 25. Um, and like, those are some of my best buddies in the Valley and they're both going to Stanford. Like, and so that was just, that's really cool to have, uh, especially for uh, Q. Um, we take, we have to take all the same classes. Like we're like doing everything the same, um, like academics wise and obviously baseball wise where I have like, I guess like a partner in crime to help me with everything um, regarding Stanford. Um, and then, yeah, there is another like Teddy Tokheim. Um, He's on my Trotsky team. Um, I'm really good friends with him. Like he was at that area code event with me. Um, he's uh, from Washington. Um, so yeah, I have a good relationship with him. Um, the other guys I would say like not so much, um, but those two, or I would say actually, I mean, there's the, uh, the other Brock, uh, Brock cell. Um, I'm good friends with him as well. I met him at area codes. Um, but yeah, I would say that I'm not, I don't know all the guys very well. Um, uh, so I haven't really grown a relationship with a lot of guys from that class. Yeah. So, you know, as you talk about some of the buddies that you have there on that, you know, you know, whether it's the Trotsky team, I believe you said there's a guy from Valley as well. Um, you know, obviously this 2025 recruiting, uh, schedule is not over yet i'm sure stanford's still working on maybe getting a couple guys there to commit to stanford for the 25 class are you maybe trying to pull some strings there on some of those trotsky teammates or maybe some of those guys that avenge you trying to convince them that you know stanford's going to be the place for them i was i would say that i'm pretty sure our class is full now um if i'm not mistaken but um like there was definitely i mean our our, uh, our catcher um he's uh he's not going to lmu um like i was kind of trying to like persuade him but uh and then also like um uh one of our pitchers he uh he wanted to go to stanford and i was like wanted him to like i guess like, join q and i um there and he ended up uh choosing usc um which was the best for him um and so but i would say that those are the two only like experiences I've had trying to get somebody to go over, yeah. but yeah, it wasn't really like, Hey coach, like you should get this guy. But like, I was just like, Hey, like Stanford's still in your mind. Like just that, just little questions. Okay. So I believe is Stanford, are they making a switch to the big 12 or are they one of those two teams that are still in the pac 12? They are under the ACC. ACC. Okay. So what's that, what's that excitement you being a, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be affected by it most being an athlete. So, you know, what's you, what, you know, what's your excitement for them moving to the ACC? I would say that I'm excited definitely for the competition. I mean, like that's, there are some great schools in the ACC. Um, and I'm like, I think, yeah, like the number one team in the nation last year, they didn't win Omaha, but um, Wake Forest is in the ACC. Um and there's just a lot of good competition there that um, I'll have to face. Um, but there also is a little bit of um, like, instead of going to UCLA or USC, which is like a two hour flight to our away games, we have to go across the country, right? Like to the East, East coast. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's like the one con that I would, that I can come up with. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, obviously I talked to a lot of the big 10 guys, me being, being from the Midwest. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how UCLA and USC does. It's going to be interesting to see how Stanford does. And I believe there's maybe a couple other West coast schools going to the ACC. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting here these first couple of years to see how uh, everything works out for, you know, midweek games going across country, stuff like that. But um, moving into my final baseball segment here before we do kind of dig into the personal side and end it off, um, digging into the actual on the field play. Now, as I'm looking through your PG, looking through your PBR accounts, I'm seeing that you're an outfielder also throwing a little bit off the mound as well. When you do get to Stanford, do you see yourself as a two way or do you kind of see yourself, uh, you know, maybe sticking to one side of the ball? I, as of now, I see myself as a two way. Um, I would say this summer I was more recognized for uh, my bat, for sure. Um, my bat, like, I just uh, being an outfielder. Um, and I wasn't even really able to showcase, like, my pitching ability. And neither was I um, an amazing pitcher, I would say, in the summer. Um, but really over this fall, I've progressed a lot on the mound, um, which is really just exciting for my future um hopefully as a two-way at stanford so right now the hopes are right um i'm gonna be there as a two-way but um if yeah if somebody i feel like if you were to ask somebody else that question they would probably say that my bat would pan out more than my pitching so yeah okay. all right so with that mindset of wanting to be a two-way there at that college level Take us through what's that training look like as a two-way? Obviously, you're having to put a lot more work in than guys who are just, uh, you know, on one side of the ball. So what's that training look like as a two-way ball player? Yeah, it's definitely difficult. Um, it practices for sure. Um, and, yeah, the funny thing is that uh, Q, um, the other dude going to Stanford, he's also – he's the he's the other two-way on our team. And so, like, we pretty much, like, we're in the same hitting group and we do, like, the same things at practice. He, right, he's a – he plays first and I'm in the outfield. But like, besides that, we kind of do the same thing where it's like, we got to do PFPs. And then I go to like straight to outfield, um, like outfield sitch where we're like in game, like, yeah, situations. Um, and then I'm going to hit like the next thing is we're hitting. And then while our group is shagging, I'm going to go throw a bullpen or a short box. Like it's, it's pretty chaotic, but um, Q and I make it work and it's, good to have like a friend like him that uh, I get to do it with so yeah. yeah yeah I'm sure so with you being an outfielder you know I'm looking right now I mean pretty quick guy six seven sixty you know got a good arm out there in the outfield as well or I'm assuming you're more of a center fielder or are you playing the corner spots Dev I would say well Tata Marsh he's our center fielder at Valley um he's the other Sanford commit um but he's like he takes the center field role at Valley but I would say outside of that, I would definitely um, tell people that I'm a center fielder. Um, like that's always been my position. Um, and I think that especially on Trotsky and then my senior year, um, that I'll, I'll definitely move from right to center. Um, okay. So, yeah. So what's that adjustment you have to make going from center field to right and then, you know, from, from right field back to center? I would say that uh, going from center to right, like last year was a little more difficult because I was just so used I had only played center. Um, and so the ball flies differently, right? Like at center, you know, like a lefty, right? If he's hitting it in the left center gap, it's not going to tail that much, but it's 
going to tail a little bit, like five, 10 feet maybe. But like you get a righty who like flares one into right field, that thing's like just, I mean, it's like back spinning and side spinning. Like it's doing crazy things for, in the corner uh, outfield positions where it took me a little while to get used to. Um, but I would say during practice, right, I, I can, I'll flip from like center to right where I'm kind of used to it now. Um, like how balls fly and stuff. But last year, that transition was a little difficult for me. Okay. So let, let's flip it around to the different side of the ball hitting. Take us through that hitting approach. You know, you going through, let's say you're on deck, you're watching the guy in front of you, watching the pitcher warm up, whatever. What does that hitting approach look like? What's going through your mind as you're walking up to that batter's box? Um, Definitely a big thing for me is just confidence at the plate, right? Like, I just tell myself, like, there's no way this guy's getting me out. Like, no way he can get me out. That's kind of like my mindset. Um, and also, I would say a big thing for me is just not, obviously, I'm not focused on, like, mechanics um, at, like, in-game, but um, just not, like, flying open or getting on my front side. Um, just staying back and working to drive the ball the other way is definitely a big thing for me. So, yeah, just staying up the middle, driving the ball the other way, um, and just staying calm and relaxed is kind of like my approach. Okay. So how, how does that approach change there on two strikes? Um, I would say that, I mean, two strikes, I, so my like non two strike approach, my regular approach, I'm pretty, uh, like straight up, like my feet aren't very, uh, set apart. Um, that's just kind of my relaxed position. Um, but, I used to be a, like a no stride 2KP guy. Um, but I've kind of just transitioned to like a little like wider, just kind of like a like a slide step, not like a big leg kick. Um, just working to fight anything off. Um and yeah, that two two strike approach, it's like I'm looking for spin rather than like a fastball. It's like I'm kind of more ready to hit a curveball and I'm kind of fouling off the fastball, whatever. Like that's just keep or trying to keep trying to stay alive is kind of just my approach i would say okay so you talk about how you know for the most part when it's not two strikes you're maybe standing up a little bit taller than what does get to two strikes you know you, um you need to stop a little bit of movement there take us through what those mechanics are looking like just overall you know from the load up to the follow through what's those mechanics looking like maybe how they've evolved since you've evolved as a baseball player and matured a little bit more take us through those mechanics yeah i would say that uh like the big thing that's always helped me become like a good hitter is just my ability to uh, ro rotate quickly. Um, that's always just kind of been like a God given talent that I've um, been able to like possess. Um, and so that's always just helped me with uh, like my hitting, but I would say last year when I was kind of in my slump and really like diving into my swing and like what was going on, it was just, wrapping a lot my barrel right i'm trying to hit a ball hard and i'm wrapping and then therefore like i'm rolling over spinning off balls um so now that i'm definitely i'm getting like stronger i don't have to try to hit the ball as hard as i can just trying to keep my hands really for me like relaxed and out here rather than bringing them back um is really what i try to focus on because keeping them here is letting me stay through the ball better um and be more consistent which is what i want okay so uh let's kind of flip again let's make that flip again you being a pitcher you know you want to be a two-way there 
at that next level. Let's dig into you as a pitcher. What's that repertoire looking like? You know, that fastball, take us through some secondary pitches, maybe some mental cues that go along with those pitches as well. Um, take us through that pitching repertoire. Uh, I would say that definitely on the mound, um, I uh, my fastball is like by far my best pitch, I would say, just because um, especially like being an outfielder, just ripping from like getting on top of the ball, ripping it into like the at, to home plate. Um, has helped me I spin the ball pretty well like with the fastball um, and it's pretty true so my fastball tends to like have the illusion right that it's rising um, which is very effective for me as a pitcher um, and I would say that my secondary is right and I, I'm just um, fastball curveball changeup kind of guy um, and I would say that my curveball it's a little like inconsistent, but those days that it's on, it's like my best pitch like that I have. Um, and so I'm just working on being consistent with that. My changeups, like it's a good pitch. Um, it'll get me out of situations and it definitely works well off my fastball that like it doesn't fade or die a lot, my changeup, but it does enough so where it counters my fastball, I would say. Okay, so I guess I, I want to dig in a little bit into maybe developing pitches. Obviously, you know, you're consistently developing, making sure that they're college ready there in a couple of years, making sure you're able to stay on the mound. Kind of take us through that development of some of those pitches, whether that's adding a pitch to the repertoire, whether that's working on a pitch that you already have. Kind of take us through how you're just continuously working on those pitches in that repertoire. Yeah, um, I would say that I last year and – um, I kind of stopped like over the summer I was working on like a, a slider and like adding a slider to my, um, my pitch mix um, just because uh, right. Like my fastball stays up, change ups kind of like here, everything's very North South, like, and I'm trying to get something to be a little more East West um, to work off that. Um, and so that's a big thing I think in the future for me is if I can develop a good slider, that'll help me a lot. Um, and I would just say that, yeah, like developing, I've, um, I go to a, the gym I go to is like right, right down my house, uh, right, like two minutes away from my house. Um, and, uh, Matt Rossi is the owner of the gym and he's just really helped me a lot with, um, developing me as a pitcher, just with like velo progression, but also just, um, pitching and stuff, just like working in those other pitches, just he's helped me a lot throughout, um, like recent, I guess, uh, the fall was really what, when he helped me a lot. Okay. So you talk about developing more as a pitcher, I guess, throwing it back there to the hitting side, you know, looking back on this past offseason when it came to, you know, whether that was playing the outfield, whether that was, you know, in the box, running bases, whatever, um, you know, what were maybe some of those key points emphasis you were working on going through this offseason, just trying to get better as a ball player? I would say that, definitely working on my speed. Um, like I'm a good runner, right? Like uh six, seven, right. You said on the PBR thing. Um, I'm just still trying to continue to be faster. Um, but also I was just working on my ability to hit for contact and be consistent. Um, because, um, those are, I feel like the two tools that, um, I really want to see uh, shine this high school season um, for me, just like uh, steal a lot of bags and just hit for average rather than just power. Um, 
because like, I know that I can hit a ball pretty hard, pretty far, but it's how often I can do it. How consistent can I be? Um, is really what I try to focus on. Okay. So well, last baseball question here for you, before we do dig into personal side, doing the rapid fire and here, you know, ended off here, the podcast, looking at your game's entirety. So whether that's pitching, whether that's holding on base runners, the pitchers you have in your pitching repertoire, whether that's on the hitting side, running bases, playing outfield there in center and playing right. If you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report you'd write up on yourself? I would say that, uh, my best trait on the baseball field is my athleticism. Um, just like as a kid, right. I grew up doing everything. Um, so I would say that my athleticism really shines through in my game. Um, like in the outfield, making plays throws, like, and then even on the mound, like fielding my position, like I'm like making those like, uh, like infield shortstop throws where it's quick bang, bang plays. Um, and then just, I feel like, um, I mean, I, I haven't, I don't really know how to define this, but in a lot of write-ups, it says that like, I have a lot of athleticism to my swing. Um, so I would say that if I were to write a scouting report, I would say the main thing is my athleticism is what shines. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, like I said, last segment here on the JKR podcast is the personal side. We got to let those Stanford baseball fans get to know who Brock Kettleson is beyond the baseball field. So um, first question here, passions beyond the game of baseball. Obviously, I know the offseason's coming to an end, but as you look past on these past couple of months, when you're not playing baseball games, what are some of those passions, some of those hobbies that you have? Yeah, as a little kid, um, I did a lot. I did everything, I would say. Um, and so my passions off the uh, baseball field is definitely probably my number one would be skiing. Um, I love to ski. Um, and then also during the summer, I probably played like, I probably played like 20, 30 days of uh, beach volleyball, um, just like 15 minutes from my house um, to the beach. So I would say that, and there's other stuff, like we go play basketball, football. Um, I like to like wakeboard and wake surf behind a boat in the summer, but the two main things that I would say like are my like most, most common um, and most like enjoyed are probably skiing, um, volleyball and golf. I would say also is another one on there. So you're saying skiing, is that water skiing or are you going somewhere colder? And uh... No, uh, snow skiing, snow skiing. Yeah. Um, I go to uh, Squaw Valley in uh, Tahoe, California. Okay. Oh, so Cal California gets cold enough to do some to do some actual. Okay. Yeah. Guess, again, me being a Midwesterner, I'm always thinking that California is like you know it's just a warm all all year round. But yeah, um, you talk about you know getting behind a boat and tubes. Well, I think you said tubing or whatever it was. Yeah. Is that in the Pacific Ocean or is that like lakes around you? No, that's just lakes. Yeah, lakes, lakes around. Okay, I was gonna say it'd be pretty cool to go uh, to tubing or something like that in an ocean. Yeah. You know, having the waves bouncing off whatever, but. Uh, moving from the passions to more of the motivational side here for you, take us through, you know, what are some of those key motivators? You know, what is it that helps you get out of bed every morning? What is it that helps you continuously evolve as a ball player, as a person? What would be some of those key motivators? Uh, I would say that definitely just making my parents proud. Um, like they've obviously sacrificed a lot for me. 
um, right? Sending me to Valley and just, yeah, they've sacrificed a lot for me. And so I just want to make them proud. Um, and just, yeah, that's mainly one of the big key motivators. And then I would also say that um, ever since I was little, like I have been like the most competitive person on the field, whatever I was doing, like it didn't matter if I was playing ping pong in the garage or baseball, right? Like I had to win. Um, and it's kind of like people will uh, have, I've had to like tone it down at times lately, right? Where I'm like too into it, right? I'm too competitive. Um, but I would just say that my main drive is just to be the best at whatever I do and mainly just like to win is what I just the only thing really on my mind when I like okay all right yeah I, I, I like that mindset but take taking that question a little bit further let's say that you know you keep trying to win at everything you keep trying to prove your parents proud you make your parents proud what does that perfect picture of your life look like in 20 years um I would say I uh I actually kind of was telling my dad about this um I would say that like if I had to right now um like in what 30 years like what my life would be like um is that I would be a retired MLB player and I would live in like Colorado or Montana and like ski with my kids every day that was what that was what I would want to do um have you been to uh have you oh sorry go ahead no, no, no. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you talk about Colorado. Is there like, have you been to Colorado to ski before? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been to uh, Kelly Ride. I skied there. Um, and then, yeah, I think that was the only one I've gone to in Colorado. But we, uh, like, my family every winter break or uh, spring break, like, we go to Idaho, Utah, Montana, Colorado. Like, we've been to like Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, We've been to a lot of big ski resorts because that's just what my family loves to do. Okay. All right. Um, so uh well, six more questions here for you. You can do a rapid fire. Uh three rounds of two questions here to end it off. So first round of questions here. Coolest contact in your phone. Scrolling through your contacts. Who's that coolest contact? And not too many people have. Second question, go to playlists, whether that's working out, whether that's making a flight, drive, whatever. What's that go-to playlist? I do not. I don't know who my coolest contact would be. I don't really know any like anybody famous or anything like that. Um, but I would say that my favorite playlist. Um, I'm not too much of like a like a rap guy. Like kind of a lot of people are. Um, I tend to listen to like <laughs> like the Lumineers is kind of like my type, and like I'll listen to like Frank Ocean and stuff like that. Um, so I would just say like. R&B is kind of my, my forte. Okay. All right. So second round of two questions here for you. Let's say I'm taking a trip to, uh, let's say I'm taking a trip to NorCal again, never been to California before I'm a Midwesterner guy. What are some of those recommendations you got for me? You know, things to do places to eat, whatever, taking a trip to your part of Cali. What are some of those recommendations? Second question, you're having dinner with three people dead or alive. Who's going to be at that table? Oh, okay. So, I would say things to do, um, especially where I live, is just the beach. Like, go to the beach. You can do a lot there. Um, and everyone kind of uh, groups California with In-N-Out. Um, like, that's the big thing. Um, and, yeah, like, I'm a In-N-Out fan, so I think that 
yeah, if you were, uh, like if you were to come to California, I'd be like, yeah, check out in and out. Um, but I would say that, uh, there's nothing like special really like food wise. It's just, um, in and outs kind of like the big thing in California. Um, and I just say that if I were to give any advice, it'd be to go to the beach. If you were to like have one free day, um, okay. where I live. Um, and then, uh, sorry, you said dinner with three people. Yep. Dead or alive. Ooh, I would have to say, um, one person I would say on there is probably Will Ferrell. He's like my favorite actor. Um, and then I would probably say, um, like, uh, trying to think, I mean, I would say like, uh, Ray Lewis, football wise like just his mindset i would love to uh know what that is and i would also just say like uh oh wow honestly like a randy johnson i would say just for the baseball wise like i mean he was just absolutely dominant and i would love to know what that was like yeah, for sure. You talk about Ray Lewis. Obviously, he's on the other side of the country there on the East Coast in Baltimore. So uh, you a Ravens fan or are you uh, one of those Cali teams? No, I, I'm definitely a Niners fan. Um, right. Like they're, I think, 45 minutes away. The field is from my house. Um, but I'm just I love football. Like I, that would I would say uh, I joke around like um, I would say that if I could do it over again, I'd probably want to play football. Um just like I've always loved watching it. And so, yeah. Okay. So big, big week coming up there for you here for, for the Niners. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> Looking definitely. forward to uh, Last two questions here for you here on the JKR podcast. Um, first off, we got TikTok for you page. You're scrolling through TikTok, you know, what's the algorithm pushing out your way? What are some of those videos that you're seeing? Um, and then last question, dream NIL brand. You get to Stanford there in about a year and a half. You get that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. What would be that dream brand? Okay, so TikTok, I would say that, honestly, my feed is a lot of baseball, obviously. Um, and then also a lot of skiing, just, like, kind of random. And then just some random, like, memes and just funny videos, I would say. And then um, my dream NIL deal would 100% be Nike just because of all the gear that they have. And especially like for me, um, like the, uh, the shoes that they could like hook you up with would just be insane. So, yeah. Yeah. No, Nike is definitely the most, the most common answer when it comes to that last question here on the JK. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was hoping for maybe an in and out or something like that. Maybe <laughs> do a little bit more, you know, more rare on the rare side. But again, if, if Nike's reaching out to do an endorsement deal with you, NIL deal, whatever, Obviously, something must be going right within your athletic career. So, uh, obviously, it's got to be a great dream brand to have. But anyway, man, like I said, final question here for you on the Jay Kara podcast. So, I just really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, it was great meeting you. Great getting to learn everything about your baseball career, playing for Trotsky, going through high school, and you know, going there to Stanford here in a couple of years. So, again, man, just appreciate you coming on the show. Do want to wish you the best of luck when it comes to the spring season and hopefully years and years of baseball um seasons beyond that as well but again man just appreciate you coming on the show yeah thank you so much for having me um it was definitely just amazing getting to know you and talk to you uh 
I had a great time. So yeah, thank you. Awesome.